my friends, Annie here, Annie's Pink Chair today. And I have a very unique, special guest that I'm going to be talking to that is a professional with helping people heal from shame, from trauma, from condemnation, and just about everything you can imagine when it comes to relationships. My friend's name is Carter Featherstone and he is an author. He's also a pastoral counselor, retreat leader, and speaker. He leads a retreat for spiritual transformation called Pure Heart Weekend, through which he has helped hundreds of people change at the level of identity through life mapping, healing prayer, and breaking strongholds. Carter's also the author of the ebook, God Knows Your Struggle, and He Wants to Help, a book on breaking the control of sexual strongholds and shame. He and his wife, Cindy, have three adult children and two grandchildren. He and Cindy live in Covington, Louisiana, with their two dogs, Sammy and Zoe. Hey, Carter. It's so nice for you to come on the show today. And I was so excited to meet you, number one. Number two, I have been hearing about you for the past, I think two years now, because Cricket introduced me to you about what you do. And so I thought you were a perfect fit today. And so we just want to get right in. What's going on with you and who are you? Well, thank you, Annie. Nice to be with you today. And um, who am I has a whole lot to do with my story. You have a testimony, uh, do. don't you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I grew up as a Christian kid in a Christian home in church all my life. Uh, I went to a Bible college transferred to one of America's leading Christian universities, then went to one of America's greatest theological seminaries and went into the ministry and was in the ministry for 13 years before I had to resign in 1998 because of sexual addiction. And... Um, I resigned, of course, in great humiliation, sorrow, and shame. Mm. Already, I already had a lot of shame. Now I had more, and it was just so, so painful, and uh, so painful for my family and for my wife. And so today I have a ministry that's grown out of the heartache and the recovery and the discovery that God led me in my life. The main part of this that he taught me is about how to heal shame. Shame is what drives our addictions and our compulsive behaviors. And so stopping the behavior will never be satisfied until you go deeper and heal the shame. So that's what my ministry is about today and the, the retreats that I do, helping people connect with God to heal the shame in their stories. Wow. I just wanted to commend you for the bravery. I don't see a lot of pastors or counselors talking about their messy junk and especially the sexual sin and the addiction piece. I mean, we know, I think you probably have seen stats that there are so many leaders that are addicted to porn. 
And that leads to, you know, obviously more addiction and then eventually a relationship possibly with someone outside of marriage. And then uh, like myself, I used to have men call that were watching porn for when I was a call girl. And so it's definitely not just in the Christian community. I think the rates, I mean, do you know the rates right now according to the recent polls taken? Well, I'm I'm not sure exactly what it is with pastors, but they do say at least more than 70% of the men in the church have some kind of defined struggle with pornography. Uh, and that's a wide range. Some people look at porn twice a year, but they would mark that as that's their struggle. Uh, 20% of that 70 something percent, 20% of those guys are sexual addicts. They're compulsive with it. They're looking at it every day. They can't sleep at night until they've looked at it. And uh, it's, it's really Pornography is the biggest secret that no one talks about. I should be the busiest man in town. I should be speaking at churches everywhere. I agree. (laughs) And they never call me. They never call me. Pastors know me. They know my story, but they don't call me. I don't do men's retreats. It's amazing. I, I do killer men's retreats, but they don't call me and I never do them. So that tells me the pastors are struggling with this themselves. Right. And for some reason, they're afraid to to look at it and deal with it. And it the Internet is just slaughtering men everywhere. Yes. And it's keeping yes. them feeling worthy enough to serve at the church and honor right. the pastor and work with him. And I think they hide from the pastor. They withdraw from ministry because they feel so deeply ashamed. You know, and that's such a good point. I want to know with you, like, what was that point in your life? Obviously, you knew it was out of control. You stepped down. You know, I don't need to go into the nitty gritty details with you about how that happened. But what happened with you so you knew how to pretty much take a sword and cut its head off and say, no more shame. I am not ashamed of what has happened to me. So, because that's what you teach, right? You teach how to not feel that shame and be, be, you know, closed off by that shame and making your own walls and your own houses and little boxes to separate yourself from people. Yeah. Well, of course I had, I had sort of done that. I did live in my shame and it had boxed me in and I was imprisoned and I didn't know how to break my addiction. I didn't know how, I didn't know who I could trust. And when my wife finally busted me and I went to my church leadership and told them I was in trouble and needed help, we found the help. Uh, I spent my first three weeks out in Arizona at a clinic. And at that clinic, they said to me, Carter, overcoming sexual addiction is a five to six year battle. Well, that's devastating news. And that's the kind of news most wives will say, oh, forget it. I'm out. I'm out. I'm not waiting five or six years. My wife thankfully stayed. But five to six years now, I smugly said to myself, I said, you know, I've got a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I got a prayer power. You know, it probably won't be five to six years for me. I went home 
after three weeks in Arizona at a sex addiction clinic, I came home, resigned in front of my church, had to read a speech that my counselors wrote because I, I had lost my mind by this time and I had no sensibilities to write a wow. decent speech. I came home, you know, I thought I had a problem with shame. Well, now I was just swimming in shame. The story I want to tell is that I started to work for a Christian friend of mine while I went to counseling. I went to counseling back home in Louisiana for four and a half years. In the a few years later, still working for my friend, I made a terrible blunder at my job and I cost my company some money. Fresh shame came upon me. And I was, I remember I was driving in my car alone a day or two later, just feeling so shameful for the blunder I had made. And it seemed like really another entity came in through my passenger side window and began to berate me, belittle me, emasculate me. The same old messages of shame I'd had all my life that I'd been dealing with for several years now, they all came flooding in the window. Mm -hmm. But I caught it this time and I said, wow, <laughs> hey, I haven't heard your voice in a long time, but you're not going to tell me who I am. And I, I spoke my identity in Christ. Hmm. And the car was quiet. Wow. And then I said to myself, I said, wait, 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 what year is this? And I counted on my hand what year it was. And it was year six. At that moment, I had an epiphany that led me to create my weekend retreats. I had the epiphany. And for a moment, I was smarter than all my counselors. Five to six years was not the battle time to overcome the addiction because I stopped the addiction within nine months. Five to six years is what it takes to deal with your shame-based identity. And I had an epiphany on that day and realized, wow, the victory is in overcoming the shame, not the addiction. Sexual addiction is not really about sex. Alcoholism is not really about alcohol that it tastes so good because it doesn't. Right. It's right. terrible. What's driving it is your shame and that you hate yourself and you hate who you are and you don't know how to live in the love God has for you. And that is the five to six year battle. So that's what I help people with today. Hi, friends. It's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair, and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here, the peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees? This is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. I'm Nikki, I'm the Education Outreach Coordinator. Um, I've seen girls come in here 
and just broken, just in need of something. And we give them a gift box when they first arrive and then the look on their face, because their traffickers taken everything from them, the look on their face is just amazing and precious. And just watching them grow in Christ throughout their journey here is incredible. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate. And listen, your donation goes to a good cause and it's tax deductible. Thank you so much. Carter, I had a question for you about yes. the church itself and sexual sin and how as a culture in Christian culture and people that don't believe in God, that they believe that if you're caught in sexual sin, that you will definitely need to step down or be fired from your job. Now, if you brought in pure heart to the workplace and to the church, do you think society would change the way they view that? And do you think the length of time that the person needed to step down and recover would be shortened? What is your opinion on that? Well, that's, uh, first of all, if you have a sexual addiction and you're in the ministry, you do need to step down because they told me, they said, Carter, you're a dangerous man. When I went out to Arizona at the beginning of my recovery, they said, you're a dangerous man and you need to recognize that. And if you go out and try to start a church on your own, we are going to feel the need to get involved and call the chief of police and other people in your town and warn them of what you're doing. To which I said, don't worry about that. If I went out and started a church, I'd be doing it in anger and in the flesh. And even I wouldn't want to go to that church. But because sexual addiction is as strong as it is, yeah, I think a pastor will need to step down because he'll need he will need time to work through and understand how he got trapped, what kept him trapped so long in this. He has a lot to figure out. Plus, sexual addiction is very narcissistic. You become a, a real manipulator and a controller of other people. And that's just as dangerous of a sickness that you need to be to be delivered from that as well. So so a pastor, I believe, yes, needs to step down and do some work. Has got probably more work than he thinks he needs to do. But I think he can be restored. I mean, people look at me today and say, well, Carter, you're disqualified to be a pastor. <laughs> to which I say, no, you got it backwards. I was disqualified when I was your pastor. I was disqualified at that time because I was a sneaky, deceitful, dishonest person. Right. Today, I'm honest. Today, I've got integrity. Today, I'd make a great pastor. But God has not called me to that. But it just goes to show that if a man will get healed, He's going to be more honest and transparent than all the pastors in town who have not done their work. Right. It, you know, it. people will wonder, well, why do you have Carter on this show today? Well, it just goes in line with what we believe in and all of our pasts, because we, you know, with the ministry we do, 
we're from sexual sin. And I really agree with uh, the stepping down. I do agree with that. But I, I still want to, you know, ask you this last part of the question is, how can we change society's view of this and the church's view of it? So it's not so difficult for someone to come to the altar or come to repentance and come to the truth and admit to someone, I'm wrong and I need your help. That's a hard one, isn't it? That is a hard one because shame is just so debilitating that everyone is afraid to come and talk about the sexual problem. I've thought before if I had gotten drunk and murdered a man, I'd probably be back in the ministry today if that's what I had done. But the sexual behavior, sexual sin is just not you're ready for prime time sin. You know, alcoholics and drug addicts can get healed and take the pulpit. And we're glad to hear their stories. But sexual sin is just not that well accepted. Uh, it would be great if the church was much more transparent. And I've thought that in the church, it'd be nice to have more retreats for men. But what we ought to do is have a retreat for women, teach women about porn, what their husbands are struggling with, how long they've been struggling with it and why they're struggling with it. So uh, and, and what a great trap Satan has created with the Internet so that wives could get over the offense and wives could also say, oh, my, my poor husband, he's trapped and I need to help him. So we need to really educate wives to get over the offense of pornography and, and realize it's a vicious trap. And I'm surprised every man in America is not addicted to porn. But if we can get women settled in the fact that this is a trap from the enemy, get over your offense and you can help your husband get well, then teach women how to go study the history on the computer and let them go with love and compassion and bust their husband and then put their arms around him and say, but honey, we're going to beat this. I'm going to help you and we're going to beat this. Then we would have a church that starts to get honest right. and transparent and right. we'd start a way to get men healed. That's really good. So I, I said this was my last question before, but this I promise is the last one <laughs> when it comes to what you do. How do you help women that actually participate in the porn and the sin because they feel like, you know, he's going to love me more or they just submit to his lead. Yeah, we need to help women understand that they are misusing sex as well when they do that with their broken husband. We, we see this often that when when the husband is committed infidelity and he gets busted and they come in for counseling, many a man have told me that their wife amazingly forgave them. And boy, we were having sex again and it was wonderful and it was, be it was better than it's ever been. When they tell us that, we just shake our heads and drop our eyes because we know She's doing that in a desperate attempt to hang on to you and keep you. And she's really doing it out of fear. 
once they get into counseling about two weeks later, she now bows up and she doesn't want him to touch her. And now she's getting healthy. So a lot of women get into this with their husbands and they start misusing sex to try to heal the relationship instead of letting God come and heal. But it's understandable. We just help them fix it and correct it. That's so good. You know, I I did that in my past. I know exactly Mm -hmm. what you're talking about, even though I wasn't married at the time, but I tried to help my partner overcome their addiction by doing it with them. It's like, oops. Yeah. Yeah, and and that degrades you, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. And when I really got real with myself and with him, I told him, I don't want to do this anymore because I'm worth more than that. Like, you are crazy and I don't want this. So, and it has a lot to do with trafficking, Carter. You know, that when you're watching women or porn, a lot of those people that are doing that are being trafficked. So if, if you can bring that in as a teaching tool as well, you know, to people that are in that repetitive nature of watching porn, that it helps them. Oh my gosh, it's a trafficking victim. Oh, I, I shouldn't do this. Like it helps kind of puts a little knife into it a little, makes it hurt a little more, which, you know, could be part of the healing too. So I have a question too about your book and how can people get a pure heart weekend with you? Yes. Well, uh, my book is actually broader than just sex. Uh, my book is for everybody. You, you were mentioning earlier that in the church, people have critical spirits, judgmental spirits. People have fearful spirits. And these also are strongholds in the mind that keep Christians from also walking the spirit-filled, beautiful, fruitful life. And so my ministry is really in a pure heart weekend. Uh, I work with men only and women only retreats. And and basically we're like when the men come, I don't really ask them about porn. I talk about porn. I talk about the problem it is and I talk about the shame they feel. But porn's not their problem. Their problem is their shame. Shame drove them to find comfort in porn. So I want to go back and heal the shame. Well, where'd the shame come from? And here's what no one ever taught me and I had to discover on my own. Shame comes in your life from this memory, this memory, this memory, this memory, this memory, this memory, memory, and that real bad one there. Right. Then how do you heal shame? You and Jesus walk together back through this memory, this memory, this memory, this memory, this memory, this memory, and that bad one over there too. Jesus has to come in with his healing grace into your memories and change the memory from being dark and scary to being full of his life where you cast off shameful identities and your new identity emerges in his presence and you get healed. When you're healed, you don't need your addiction. And so that's a lengthy process, five to six years for the addict, one to three years for the average person in the pew who does have their own compulsions and strongholds. But that's who I help with my book. My book is for everybody. 
Uh, it's not just for the sexually broken, but it's for everybody in the church because everybody has shame. And your shame, you have your own unique version of shame, which came from your own unique story. So my ministry, the book is about helping you tell your story so that you can see in your story where you were wounded, where you were hurt, where your pain came from that caused you to develop a shame-based identity that is choking out your true identity in Christ. So it's a book about shame and how to get healed and how to stand in your true identity in Jesus Christ. That is awesome. You know, I, when you said that, I was thinking shame-based identity. So this is absolutely fantastic, Carter. Can people get a hold of you? You have a website and do you have social media? Yes, I have two things to offer. One is just my website, carterfeatherstun.com. There you can be introduced to what I do and my counseling and my retreats and my books that are available. But if you are interested in the Pure Heart Weekend, we now have that online where you can do it yourself. And that's a different web address. You go to info.carterfeatherstun.com and there you'll be introduced to my book and the study guide that goes with it. And then if you want to purchase the video teachings and do Pure Heart Weekend on your home, you can do it there from that website. That's awesome. So that means you don't always have to fly across the country and, you know, teach everyone. Although that would be really awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. It'd be fun Thank to come to Las Vegas. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited to hopefully meet you in person because we're definitely going to be checking this out for our program. And I just want to thank you so graciously for coming on today and sharing your story and also your not only recovery, but your warrior-like spirit to just continue in ministry and thrive in the place where we need it in our body of Christ the most and the world. So thank you, Carter. And thank we look you. forward to talking to you soon. It was my pleasure, Annie. Thank you. Hi, friends. You know, when things aren't going our way and when life seems hopeless and everything's crashing around us left and right, it's just so easy to give up and lose our hope. But listen, if we have hope in God, we will surely never be disappointed. It says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's Romans 15, 13. And at Destiny House, that is why we are so joyful to bring clients in our program. Ladies have been ravaged by sex trafficking because we know if we can show them that their lives are not over, that there is a brand new day when they wake up the next day and they get to start again, that God's mercies are new every single morning, we see ladies come out of this terrible, terrible tragedy of sex trafficking and into a life of hope, promise, and peace. And that can only be found in God's love. We cannot do this Destiny House without any of you. We need your support. We need your help. 
Our program to Our Ladies is absolutely free of charge. But the only way we can do that is with your partnership. Do you know that every dollar that you give to our program is used for our programs and the care of our staff and our ladies? So if you'd like to donate and partner with us, you can easily go to pinkchair.com and just click on donate. And by the way, your gift, if it's one time or a partnership every month, is tax deductible. Thank you for partnering with us. Mm -hmm.